So welcome everyone. I saw some new people arrived. You can go ahead and say hi in the chat. I love knowing who is here so we can all stay connected. Um, so yesterday morning I had this anger experience <laughs> um, where my kid, Ursa, um, he had been for a couple of days sort of there's this talk about this white jersey that he was going to need on Saturday. Um, and I had spent, I had had like a slumber party on uh, Friday night with a couple friends of mine, like my oldest sister friends down at the coast. And so I was like driving in really early to come get him. And um, I had called like the soccer store to see if we could get a new jersey and they didn't make them anymore. And so I'm like calling his dad and then going into his room and like tearing the room apart, you know, <laughs> and had gotten up at 545 in the morning to like make sure that I was going to be able to like have the time to look for the jersey. It was this whole thing. And then I was picking him up from his sleepover. We both had sleepovers. And I was like, OK, you got to be like dressed and ready for soccer, like because we're going straight to the field, healthy breakfast, the whole deal. I pick him up. He's wearing his big pants. <laughs> He's wearing his big sweatshirt. No soccer clothes, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, why no soccer clothes? And we had to borrow another jersey from the kid who he was staying, and then that meant we were going to have to take that jersey back because he had a game in the night. Anyway, it was a whole like web that had been woven. And then he opens his bag <laughs> and the white jersey had been in the bag the whole time. <laughs> and I nearly lost my mind. <laughs> I was so mad. <laughs> um, the jersey was in the bag the whole time, friends. The jersey was in the bag the whole time. <laughs> and so that's happening. I'm mad. It's all happening. <laughs> He also simultaneously reaches in the bag, and his bag has been, like, so smelly. It's this, like, $100 Adidas bag, like, beautiful soccer bag with his number on it, the whole thing, and it has been so smelly, like, for months. <laughs> and he reaches in simultaneously, and suddenly the source of the stench has been discovered. He pulls out this rotten apple. I think maybe I literally think it's like four months old and then he sees the look of disgust and can tell from my breathing how upset that I am <laughs> because I've been like something's rotting in your bag for like months and rolls down the window and tosses the rotten apple off the window and then starts hysterically laughing which I'm laughing now but at the time I was like pissed like so angry right the jersey was in the bag the whole time and also the rotten apple was in the bag the whole time. <laughs> so simultaneously, I'm preparing for this talk and the talk that I do in Saturday morning on per in person. And um, I have been thinking about my kid Veda and I have been thinking about, remember when we were we used to do yoga in person at Love Hive on Burnside and we had a comment box? Someone one time wrote in the comment, bo comment box, Audra talks about her kids too much. Yes, because they are my greatest teachers, friends. That is why. <laughs> so my kid, 
Veda, who is living in Vermont, as many of you know, and I have been talking about this word healing lately because for about 18 months, it's been driving me bananas, this word. I think like during the pandemic, it started to really not sit well with me. Um, Like somehow the connotations of what it means to heal have shifted culturally, which means that the word's meaning has also shifted, right? It has a different sort of flavor than it did. And I was listening to a podcast, the Iway podcast with Jamila Jamil, which I love. Um, She's so hysterically funny and cutting and precise and is really um, pulls the the wool off of our eyes about what it is like in Hollywood regarding body image um, and that whole world that is sort of saying what it is to be attractive or to be well, right? Or to be healed even, I would suggest. And uh, she was talking to Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye and she asked Jonathan, what's that, how is your mental health? And I was walking and it was so funny because he was like, you know, I wish that like my mental health was something that I could put in a frame and be like, here it is. I did it. Did y'all see? Look at my mental health. I'm mental healthed <laughs> and it's over and I did it. Here it is. Everyone come over. Look at my mental health degree. <laughs> you know? um, as if mental health is something that could be captured and pinned down and then it's over and we did it and we're healed. Right. He didn't use that word. Um, but that was sort of the connotation that I picked up and I stopped and I was laughing and I was like, that is it. That is the thing that has been, um, driving me bananas about the way that the world has shifted around healing. Like if y'all are like me, which I'm sure that many of you are, I haven't been on the Instagram much. I'm still doing very well. I don't have it on my phone anymore. And then when you try and use it on your computer, you're like, Oh, this is a terrible format. (laughs) So then you just end up not using it. But during the pandemic, it was all of this sort of like wellness stuff about three things that you can do, blah, 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 blah. Um, this is if what your relationship looks like. If it's great, this is what it looks like if you're not. And then it's sort of this, um, top down, a certain group of people have nominated themselves to know more and then to direct and dictate everyone else. Right. And I'm about to tell a story from, um, the gospel of John (laughs) And as I was sort of thinking about how I, whenever I tell a story that involves Jesus, that religion did that too, right? We're we're talking about healing today and what it means to be in the process of healing. And so I was thinking about, okay, well, who's a spiritual figure that did a lot of healing work? Well, Jesus, you know? Um, Richard Rohr, one of my favorites, says that Jesus taught, Jesus healed, Jesus taught, Jesus healed, that those were the things that Jesus did. And one of the most remarkable things about the healing acts is that um, 
if Jesus was going to perform a miracle for someone, I believe it's like 75% of the people who Jesus performed a healing act on did not identify as Jewish. He didn't care if what they were. He wasn't like checking in and doing purity tests and making sure that they had done the three things that you need to do in order to be in relationship with your highest self. You know, it was an act of complete generosity. There was no top down. I know more than you. You should do this. Then you're in the club kind of system. And yet what has happened with many right, of the great spiritual traditions, including yoga, friends, we are not excluded from this, including meditation, is that there has been this top-down system developed that says um, either implicitly or explicitly that I know more than you, right? And the truth of it is is that no one knows you better than you. And that the reason that I think that this system is so powerful, the systems of yoga and Buddhism and meditation and mindfulness, is because it is asking us to have direct experience with what it means to connect with our own felt sense, right? And our own intuition, and to know our own minds better so that we might do less violence and harm, not only to ourselves, but to the world. Yeah? And if that's not a top-down system. That's like a turn-back-inward system. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. I, as, you, as many of you know, is that I, I really love to think about what words mean and where words came from. And so I looked up the etymology of the word healing, and it is very, very, very old, as you might imagine, because we have been living in this human house full of holes as a collective for thousands and thousands of years. So wellness and healing and what it means to be healthy in this (laughs) body-mind has been around for a long time. And the root word is, it's like from old, old, English, H-A-E-L-A-N, and then it's one of those where the L and the E are connected, and it means to cure, to save, and even more further back, to make whole, right? To make whole, and I think this is the part where um, it gets tricky, and perhaps why some of us have been averse to this new system of and commodification of the yoga in the wellness world because there is no making whole you are already whole and it is the belief that we are separate that causes pain and suffering in this world that's the whole thing that you are whole no matter what always whole and when we develop the um, resilience and um, are able to tolerate distress better and to practice recovering and coming back to realizing that we are not indeed separate, right? That, um, I don't even remember where I was going, that that is, (laughs) I'm like, got all passionate, Um, (laughs) that that is, right, 
But that's what we're doing here. That's why these systems are so interesting, at least to me, is that it's that remembering. We forget and we remember, we forget and we remember. And what we are forgetting is that we are actually have always been whole and there's nothing that can ever mess that up, right? There's nothing we can do. And so learning to turn toward the suffering with compassion, learning to be with ourselves in a way that is nonviolent and not hostile, that's what creates peace inwardly and outwardly. So there's this story in the Gospel of John um, that I was just sort of reading through the healing stories after realizing, oh yeah, this is the this is sort of the healing guy, you know, <laughs> in the spiritual traditions. And um there's a story in John where an, a blind man approaches Jesus and says, please, I don't even think he had eyeballs. It was something like that. It was very, it was sort of a big miracle, you know? And he asked Jesus for sight. And any time that sight is mentioned in any teaching story, right, which all of the um, mythology, the stories from the Bible, um, stories from Buddha, the stories from Hinduism and yoga, anytime that sight is involved, that has to do with clear seeing, right? And when we are seeing clearly, we are remembering that we are not separate and that we are whole. The Buddha was asked um, all the time, like, is there God? <laughs> right? What happens when we die? Like all of these kinds of questions, like really big spiritual questions. And during the um, days following the Buddha's enlightenment, the Buddha saw it all, saw the wheel of life, saw all the complications and entanglements, um, very much like in the Bhagavad Gita, when Krishna shows Arjuna his true self, and it is overwhelming and too much because it is all of it, right? And many times when um, Krishna or the Buddha were asked these big questions, these existential questions, they would say things like, that doesn't matter. What matters, right, is seeing when we make ourselves separate, when we consider ourselves not to be whole, and then returning back, like, I belong. I'm part of this. And all of it belongs. Love is saying yes to what is. So that's the seeing clearly, right? That would be, um, as the Tao says, we talk about this all the time, that the truth waits for eyes unclouded by longing. And when eyes are unclouded by longing, we have a real clear vision and sight about what is actually happening, what is real. So here's what Jesus does. There's like a fruit fly. <laughs> spinning around me for some reason, probably from the plants. Um, so he, Jesus spits like saliva in the dust on the ground and makes mud. Gross, right? Like just a dusty saliva mud ball from Jesus and then pastes it over the man's eyes and then directs the man to walk to this river, the specific river, and to wash the spit mud away, and that then he will see, and that's what happens. 
and here we have another now we have sight and now we have mud and spit right and what I love about this story is that the vision the capacity that we have to see clearly he, I mean, there's all sorts of water imagery everywhere, right? But in this moment, this man wanted to see clearly. And the path toward seeing clearly was like spit and dust. It wasn't like being bathed in the pure baptismal water. <laughs> it wasn't any of that. It was like earth, right? And then bodily fluids, so just thinking about that, I, I know you're getting it because I have the smartest students in the entire world. But the path that we walk towards seeing clearly is often through crisis, through heartbreak, through making mistakes, right? through regret, through anger, through suffering. Right, through the spit and dirt of our lives. And that when we can go all the way through that, like, and then get to the river <laughs> and wash it away many, many times, that is when we see most clearly. And that is completely different than the top-down hierarchy, right, that many of the world's religions profess Right? Do this, don't do that. You should be like this. You shouldn't be like that. This is acceptable. This is not acceptable. You're in if you're like this. You're not in if you're like this. That is the complete opposite, this teaching story, of also the wellness world, right? Um, there's a lot there, I think, to think about, about how we... Um, and I don't exclude myself because I definitely have taken part in it and I'm trying to repair that. <laughs> um, but how it is so easy to step into that. Like, I know that it should be like this and anyone who's not like that then doesn't belong. Right? And then it becomes that game that we've been talking about of me here and then you over there and then we're separate. Yeah. So, um... Hmm. You also have the metaphor of the lotus. The lotus always comes and grows up out of muddy water. It doesn't come, it will not grow. And like clear, gorgeous water, it grows from the murk, this beautiful lotus flower. And if we think about our lives, and I'm sure that many of you have stories, right, where you went through like the most painful brutal, most difficult, challenging time in your life. I can name so many. <laughs> that on the other side of that, if we were willing to tolerate it, right, to see it all the way through, to keep remembering that we are whole during it, to turn towards our practices, to turn towards our teachers, to ask for help, to remember again and again that there is nothing bad and wrong about us, right? That on the other side of it has been some of our greatest learnings. Right? We, when our heart breaks, it creates space 
that's the only, um, that's the only way that I can think to put it best is that when our heart breaks open, there is new space and we get to have choices about what we fill into that new space, right? How we want to be with it. Um, yeah, so good. I love that story so much. So, mm. oh yeah, Richard Rohr says, nothing is wasted in the economy of grace. Nothing is wasted in the economy of grace. Um, Lama Rod, he says that healing, this is his definition of healing, and I actually like this, is situating ourself in love being willing to not only love ourselves and to love others, but to be loved without the coverings, without the armor, that that's what healing is. And there's a way in which we use our worst things, (laughs) right? That happen to us, the spit and the dust to then become our best thing. So I just want you to name, get a little bit curious right now about your life and to think about some things that have happened, some struggle buses that you've been on, right? Where And you can't make meaning during it. Remember, that's one of the, <laughs> one of the things that will, um, that the wellness world actually encourages us to do is like, what does this mean? And I'm like, no, no, it is not time to make meaning when we are in it. Meaning becomes like a poem. And that turning toward our anger and our grief, and for me, like deep, deep anxiety with love and compassion, that that is growing. And that's my new word for instead of healing and like, I'm healed. Look, I did it. I did the healing, the healing thing. Here's my mental health. Here's the frame. Everyone come over. Let's have a healed party. That growth actually for me is a word that helps to describe this process that we're all in a little bit better. I'm growing. I'm learning. And if we think about the metaphor of the lotus flower or of the spit dust, Right? It's in the wet mud that we plant the seed and then grow, and then something new becomes. Right? I mean, biblically, um, mud is where new beginnings happen, right? where newness and creation happens. And so it's just a different way to reframe when we're struggling, when we're in pain, when we're suffering. Oh, this is the mud. This is the Jesus spit dust. Right? And that I'm growing. Even here I am growing. And can we turn our to self and can we turn toward ourselves with tenderness in that way? Um hmm. so be very suspicious, friends. <laughs> And begin to notice that top-down system of healing, right? Ah, 
because the only requirement for knowing ourselves to be whole is the desire to know ourselves to be whole. And that is it. <laughs> There's no purity test. There's no thing you have to do. You don't have to get on the yoga mat if you don't want to that day. You don't have to meditate. It is simply the thirst to know yourself as not separate. That's the only requirement for liberation, is that thirst. No one knows you better than you. Okay. <laughs>